I'd like to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Just recently, we've had two people here in our congregation walk around with those uh, ankle boot things, you know, uh, weighed nicely, weighed nicely, uh, walking along, um, tripped and turned his ankle and uh, ended up with one of those boots on. And uh, Paula Parrish. And, you know, I was, I was like thinking, you know, my goodness, both of them aren't even here. We can't even poke some fun at them here. But uh, Paula Parrish, uh, she and Mike were hi- hiking and, and Paula turned her ankle and broke a bone in, in there somewhere, I think. And so she had a, a boot that she was wearing. Uh, you know what that's like? It, and it's, it, you think, oh, it's just an ankle. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's not just an ankle. It's, it's like, you know, it, it messes you up. <laughs> um, years ago, uh, with the youth group down in Southern California, you know, after a rainstorm, you get the guys together and you go play touch football, right? And so that's what we did. We got the guys together in the youth group and went out to the field and played touch football it doesn't end up being touch football. <laughs> but, you know, in that game, I, ended, I, I still remember it because the pain involved where I had the football and I was supposed to punt it, you know, because we were, you know, fourth down. We had to get rid of it. So I punted it. And when I landed, I slipped and turned that ankle. I can still feel it almost. And it's, it's really nasty. Um, and here's where I might get in trouble. My wife... In, in creating a new dance step for the children's musical years ago. Took a step and broke her ankle, you know, and uh, had a, a cast on. And that was before, maybe, I don't know, you had a cast though, didn't you? And it's, it's absolutely no fun uh, doing a little ankle turn. Um, you know, so we get flustered with those little, what seems like silly injuries, uh, but more, I guess it, it ends up, we feel like, oh, stupid me. Why did I do that? You know. And so then the result is we're slowed down, right? We're hobbling. We're in somebody else's way. Um, all those kind of things. And we're in need of help. And I want to draw your attention this morning with that little opening to the fact that spiritually speaking, we have similar things happen. And I believe that our passage this morning, we're uh, still on this theme of love and stepping out in love. And here this morning, the idea that uh, we're to avoid harmful injuries and some of these injuries end up being self-inflicted when when we're dealing with the passage here and when we're dealing with spiritual things. Some of these things that we're going to see today, they're self-inflicted. It's not that it was an accident necessarily and this is what happened to me. So we've got to be on target. We've got to be careful and watching so that we don't uh, have these kind of things happen where we end up doing them to ourselves and thus affecting the whole body of believers. Because this passage, again, is aimed at Christians to love one another. Here's the outflow, the outworking of the gospel in Romans. 
and he's, Paul has been on this uh, theme of love for a number of uh, chapters here. And I mentioned it before, it's because you and I need it so badly. We need the reminders, okay? And so we're to keep in mind, we as believers in Jesus Christ, we are to keep in mind how we function with fellow believers. And it's how... It's on how we use our liberties and our choices regarding our freedoms, our liberties in Christ. Okay? So, in and around other people, Paul warns us of avoiding these harmful injuries, especially when we do it to ourselves, so to speak. Right? So, as we look at these, we must take heed... And along with these four examples of injuries, if you will, God's word tells us what we're to do and how we can avoid it. Okay? So I'm going to list these four uh, injuries, if you will, that um, we've got to be alert to. Okay? But before we do, I'd like you to follow along as we read in Romans 14, starting at verse 13. Romans 14 starting at verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then... Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. Dear Lord, we bow here before you this morning again, asking that you would guide us in our time. We give you thanks for your word. We believe that this is your word that you gave through your servants. And Lord, we need to pay attention and take heed and trust you and obey you and love you, Lord. Help us in this. Lord, you've directed this at Christians. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts here today. We ask this in Jesus' mighty, holy name. Amen. All right. So there's four things that I want to point out here from this passage. And the first one is the injury of offending your brother. 
okay? Offending your brother, verses 13 through 15. And this, that is the theme here in this passage regarding this kind of love toward your fellow believers. That you love them, you don't offend others. You don't offend others by the use of your liberties, okay? And that's, we kind of dealt with that last week a little bit. And here this week again, here it is again. Not to, um, in the practice of your liberties, to offend somebody else, okay? But to think, here's the, the theme is love. And now, with each one of these, I believe there's um, remedies given or safeguards given, okay? And those are, um, for each of the four points, there's subpoints here in the outline that you can follow along. And so, the first two here, in regards to uh, offending your brother, that happens. We've got to watch out for that, right? Because we do damage to ourselves and to others if we are offending other people with our liberties. And so we see two disciplines to grow in and to act upon. And if you want to grow in your faith, here are these two disciplines. First one, letter A, is the discipline of deference. The discipline of deference, where you defer to the other brother. Rather than judge another as weak, that was what we studied last week, instead of judging the other as weak, you determine, see that in verse 13? Let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this. You determine to choose the better. You determine to choose the wiser. You determine to choose not to be a stumbling block when it comes to your liberties. Remember, we can go ahead and eat meat. There's no such thing as an idol. So the meat that was, quote, offered to an idol is still really okay. It's just that the person that just was saved out of um, his, his ways, thinking that the meat was truly offered to idols, he's still thinking, oh, I can't touch that meat. I can't eat that meat because that was offered to idols. The more mature believer looks at it and says, hey, there's not a problem. Go ahead and eat and enjoy. And so we come back to this again and touch on it, saying instead of offending your brother with your liberties, choose the discipline of deference. Don't be a stumbling block in the other person's way when it comes to choices, freedoms, liberties. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 18. You can keep a marker there in Romans 14, but turn back to uh, the book of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 18. And we want to see what Jesus says about stumbling blocks. Okay? Matthew chapter 18, verse 4 says, Whoever then humbles himself as this child, because Jesus called a child to himself, as you see in verse 2, and set him before them. And whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it is better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depth of the sea. This is a serious, serious matter. Now, 
we know, we believe this passage in Matthew says he actually brought a little child, like from children's church, brought a little child up to him. Now, we understand in the bigger picture in the New Testament that they're, you know, believers are children in the Lord. Children in the family of God. And we have to be careful that we aren't dealing with a spiritual child in, in some area. Someone that may be weaker in the faith. Right? Look at verse 7 in Matthew 18. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. For it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to that man through whom the stumbling block comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter into life crippled or lame than, to, than having two hands or two feet to be cast into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into the fiery hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. Oh, now we've gone into it. What's this business of chopping off a hand or plucking out an eye? And why don't we see more people with one hand and one eye or no eyes? See, the point is, it does no good to do that if you don't deal with the what? The heart. You've got to deal with your heart, Christian. Right? Because plucking off your hand because it offends you won't change the issue. He's, getting, he's using this as this, you know, here's this extreme point. He's trying to get the point across. Deal with your heart. Okay, deal with the heart. And so this is where we see this stern warning about being a stumbling block. And Paul picks it up and uses it likewise, you know, regarding fellow Christians. Okay, so back to Romans chapter 14. That's the discipline of deference. Letter B is the discipline of discernment. The discipline of discernment. Seeing what really matters. And having those kind of, that kind of perspective, those kind of eyes, seeing what really matters. Okay? And, you know, being aware of that ourselves and helping our children to understand what really matters. Okay? What really matters is not, for instance, uh, dressing up for church, you know, and, and that's all there is for the, for the little children. I, I went across and watched the children each Sunday school time, gonna, you know, see what's going on. You know, and for them, are they learning what's really important from mom and dad, from church? Okay, and are do we know the? Do we have this discernment about what's really important to God? And regarding these liberties, here we are in, in Romans fourteen. Look at verse four, uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 14. He says, I know and am convinced in the Lord that nothing is unclean in itself, but hey, to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of, your, of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. So have discernment, my friend. Discern in, the, in these regards. See, what is it that really matters? Is it food or people? 
Is it drink or people? Okay. Those who think something is unclean, so it is. To them it is unclean. But don't judge them for that. Make sure you walk wisely before them. It's been said, uh, and you've probably heard this, you know, it's better to be a stepping stone than a stumbling block, right? Learn what it is to be a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. So that's regarding our first one, offending your brother. Secondly, secondly, this concern of distorting the gospel, distorting the gospel. Verse 15 through 17, if you're, if because of food, your brother is hurt. You are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him whom Christ died for. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, this is the second um, concern, that we are not distorting the gospel. Now listen, um, being human, <laughs> we have this little problem that whatever we touch, we stain with our sin. You ever think of that? Even in good things, here we are, um, you know, we stain it with, with our sin. It's not that we plan to or choose to necessarily, it's just that here we are, we're people. And we're dealing with this, being um, in this body that's, you know, it's the body of flesh. And Paul already talked about it saying, here's the struggle that we have. Okay? So we must be aware of this. You know, about distorting the gospel. When, that happens when we no longer walk according to love. There in verse 15. Okay? When we're no longer walking according to love. Now think about that. Let that sink in, Christian. Because there are many times where we are not walking according to love. We're walking according to Woody or you or whoever you are. (laughs) So we need to, you know, every day, Lord, help me to then walk according to love and, and to honor you and to let you use you know, I want to be used of you as a vessel, an empty vessel, controlled by you. Okay? So, if we're no longer walking according to love, what does he say? Look at the verse. The very next thing he says, do not destroy with your food, with your liberty, him for whom Christ died. Okay? So instead of destroying your brother, it's the idea that you would want to try and help disciple your brother. Help encourage him. Help at least point him in the right direction. Okay? Because, again, we're dealing with this context of here's the weak brother and the stronger brother. So the two things that we glean from this, this particular one of distorting the gospel is choose the higher path. Letter A, our higher path. It's just flipping it around. So walk according to love. There's the higher path. And and don't just say, oh, I, I know about that. I got that down. I know what love is. No, keep learning about love. And then keep passing it on. 
along with this, your higher path, Christian, is to choose the path that won't smear your testimony. Uh huh. That it's not going to smear your testimony in front of others. Choose that higher path. You see it in verse 16 there. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. Again, we're talking liberties, freedoms, choices. So don't work that in such a way that others point it out and say, well, this is evil in your life. You want to have a, a, a testimony that um, the Bible calls blameless. In other words, someone looking at you, can they point out this and this and this about you that, that smears your testimony for Christ? Or do they look at you and say, wow, they're, they're growing. I can look at them and um, see maturity and wisdom in their lives. That's what we're called to, Christian. We're called to maturity in this way. Uh, letter B, our higher purpose. Our higher purpose is verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Clearly stated, this is what Christian living is about. Okay? The kingdom of God. That's what he refers to here. It's about the kingdom of God. Are you about the kingdom of God in your life? Is that a concern there? Well, the kingdom of God is first not about food and drink. It's not about eating and drinking. It's not about rules and regulations. Although we'd sure like to put the rules and regulations kind of into effect and say, you shall live by this. And especially with our kids, you know, we've got to give the kids rules and regulations. They got to learn. They got to learn to grow. And then as they grow and mature, they say, oh, I've been responsible in this. Now I'm seeing privileges here being given because I'm showing myself mature. I'm showing myself more uh, careful in my choices, right? But see, the kingdom of God, he says, is about what? Righteousness, number one. And what is the theme? Listen, what is the theme of Romans? That God gave his righteousness to a people, everyone that's ever lived on this earth, that were lacking in what? Righteousness. Okay, that's the theme. That's the theme of Romans. Here's God's righteousness. He provides it for a people that are rebels, that are sinful. they fallen short of the what? The glory of God. And see, again, as we look at it from our human perspective, we think, oh, well, this person's really nice and that person's really nice, but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, no matter how nice you are. Okay? Because we're going, we've got to go by God's standard, God's righteousness. And you and I have failed in that. So we get back to the theme of Romans. That's it. And he's drawing us back to this, saying, here's the kingdom of God. It's not about eating and drinking. It's about righteousness. And what does righteousness bring? Peace with God. Okay? Look at it. Verse 17. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay? 
So remember, we lack his righteousness. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And my friend, if you're here visiting, have you admitted, even if you're not visiting, maybe you've been here for a long time, you still don't know the Lord. Have you admitted to God? Have you admitted to God that you've fallen short of the glory of God? Have you admitted that to him? You stand guilty before God. And again, I I could look at you and talk to you and say, oh, but you're a really nice person. You still stand guilty before a holy God, no matter how nice you are. And you must admit your guilt to God and understand that He has given His gift to mankind in the Lord Jesus in that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died. Christ died so that you might know God. Would you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Would you give your life to Him? That's what you're being called to do. Admit your sin. Admit your guilt before Him and call on Him as Lord and Savior. See, that's what it is. We're not trying to distort the gospel here. We're trying to make the gospel clear. And as Christians, sometimes we do, by our behavior, we distort the gospel to other people. Are we about His righteousness? Are we demonstrating, I have a peace that passes understanding. I I have this peace from God. Uh, Do we have joy in the Holy Spirit? Is that what is ruling in our lives? Or are are the circumstances ruling in our lives? If the circumstances are ruling in our lives, we've got to ask God to grow us and mature us in our faith so that we can have joy in the Holy Spirit. So we can have peace. Because righteousness is there in the heart. But if righteousness is not there in the heart, you're, you're climbing a ladder that never will end. Your, 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 your efforts are futile. It starts with what? Righteousness. How do you get righteousness? Climb the ladder? No. Attend church all the time when all the doors are open? No. How do you get righteousness? You bow before Jesus Christ and you admit your sin and you ask Him to be Lord of your life. And some of you are holding off because you're too proud and too stubborn to do it. I know, because I'm stubborn. I pray that God will soften your heart and cause you to bow before Christ and call Him as Lord and Savior of your life. And then grow in the faith, my friend. That's what Christians are supposed to be about. So Christian, you make sure you are reflecting the gospel as clearly as you can to others. Okay? Distorting the gospel is helped by, here's our higher path, choosing our higher path, and choosing, understanding our higher purpose. Found in uh, verse 17 there. Okay, to the back of your outline, if you're following along there, number three. The third injury, if you will, is undermining the work of God. Undermining the work of God. Look at verse 20. Look at it. 
do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. What's God trying to do? Build and mature and grow His children in the faith. And when we make choices regarding our liberties, we can end up, if we don't, if we're not careful, if we're not choosing wisdom and showing discernment, we can start tearing down the work of God in the life of another weaker brother or sister. Okay? Tear down the work of God and you say, oh, no, 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 never, not me, not me. Well, I hope so. And I would want to say the same thing. I hope, you know, this is the case in me. I don't ever want to tear down the work of God that's going on in another brother or sister's life in the family of God. But what, is it, what does it mean here? I need to look closely then at my heart, examine my own heart and say, what's really going on? Am I helping build up or am I not? Am I tearing down? And you know what? Um, we're very uh, aware, all of us, all of us are so aware of what the media has accomplished the, in the last, especially with cable TV and, um, and flip phones and, and, and um, the, the cameras everywhere. I mean, kids, you know, they've got their phone, there's a camera, and everything, everything is right there out in the open for everyone to see, and so the media has been very successful in what? <laughs> Pointing out the many faults of Christians, especially. And in, some, in most cases, listen, in most cases they're right on target. Because here are Christians who are contradicting the message of the gospel with their conduct. And what they say or what they've done. And it's a sad thing. And so um, we see it. We're aware of this issue. How the, the, the work of God is undermined. You know, people's questionable conduct. Right? Well, what does Paul give us here? How not to undermine the work of God. How to be a participant in it is letter A, your, your kingdom servants as a believer. And highlight that in your mind. Kingdom servants. Serving Christ implies that you are a servant. Pretty basic. Is that how you live though? You're a servant. If you're a child of God, you're a servant of God. That's what it is. And so that's the, the encouragement here. Instead of undermining the work of God, you're saying, I, but I'm a servant. And listen, I don't know all of your hearts, but everyone in here and everyone that you see is a servant of some sort. You're serving someone. It's either yourself or someone else or God help us that we would be serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with our lives. You know, some of you say, well, I'm serving my employer. You know, well, yes, you are. And God has made it clear that he's put that in, in, in place. God's put that in place. <laughs> and God wants us as employees to have the right response and right attitude back to our employer. Same thing with the government. Remember Romans 13? Same thing. You know, oh, you don't know. I mean, I've learned this about our government. Well, you know, okay, fine. But guess what? 
we all need to submit to the authorities that God has put in place. Okay? So, we're kingdom servants, and you serve someone, or you serve something. But here's letter B. Here's the, the key to it, is kingdom service. Kingdom service means to do what he's saying, pursue peace. Right? You see it in verse 18 and 19? He who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, here's how you serve. Pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Okay? So pursuing peace, the things which, makes, uh, which make for peace. Let me ask you. What's the best kind of peace that you have? Peace when grandma and grandpa take the kids for the weekend? <laughs> what kind of peace do you long for? And until you... Listen, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the gospel. Listen, until you have peace with God, you won't have peace. And friend, we've got to keep coming back to the gospel. And it might be that you'll get sick and tired of hearing me. But this is what's important. If you don't have peace with God, having His righteousness, having your sins forgiven and pardoned, you will never have any kind of peace in your life. You've got to start there. Peace with God. And so, as a believer now, I have, well, use me, I'm, here I am, nothing special, I just, I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I have His righteousness, and because I have His righteousness, I have His peace because I'm in a right relationship with God. And because of that now, I want to seek for the things that will make peace with one another. Because that's a demonstration of who you are in Christ. Okay? Then the second thing under letter B, kingdom services, that you seek, you know, you're building up one another. Edify one another. Encourage one another. Okay, so these things imply that you are part of the work team of God. If you're a Christian, you're a servant. If, if that's the case, then you are a part of his body. Therefore, pursue peace. Is that what's going on? Can you say your home is a, is a place of peace? Is, are your relationships that of known as here's a, an effort to have peace with your your family, your neighbors? Okay, and it always goes back to not the world's peace, but Christ's peace. Okay, you know the world will say, you know, let's just everyone be happy, and everyone be you know tolerant of everyone's beliefs. And we'll be one big happy family. Well, that's not going to work. It won't work. I wish it did because, yeah, sure it seemed simple. But it doesn't work. Because people don't have what? First thing, peace with God. You've got to have peace with God. So I get back to this. If you're a Christian, are you? <laughs> you are on the team with God. You are in his body. Are you serving? Are you serving him? 
Okay? All right. So that, that's helping us understand how not to undermine the work of God. Be a, you, you are a kingdom servant. Therefore, be involved in kingdom service. That, you know, connecting that to verse 17 about here's the kingdom of God. Fourth point. Doubting your convictions. Doubting your convictions ends up injuring you. Doubting your convictions ends up injuring the body of believers. This is the last example I would see here in this passage of harmful injuries to the body of Christ and to the individual Christian. It, it flips around to faith. If we're, if we're concerned about not doubting our convictions, what does Paul talk about? Faith. Look at verse 22 and 23. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy or blessed is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. And so, here it is. This is the, res- the foundational response to God and all that He is and all that He does on our behalf. What? Faith. Believe. Trust. Simple. To say. Harder to do. And thus, the whole thing of, my friend, growing in your faith, not being a weak brother or sister, but growing to be stronger in the things of God in the things of his word. But this is the foundational response that God wants us to have. Everything. It's about faith. Paul points us to the certainty of faith, giving us two perspectives of faith. Letter A, faith's validity. Faith's validity. He says, have as your conviction before God. Be convinced. And it's valid. Why? One reason, Christ rose from the grave. There it is. Everything builds off of that. Christ rose from the grave. And if that can be uh, knocked out, if that can be disproved, then we are all a bunch of fools for meeting here. Do you understand that? If Christ didn't rise up from the grave, then we are all a bunch of fools for meeting and singing his praise. (laughs) But guess what? He rose. Yeah. He rose up. And he's victorious over sin, death, and the devil. Amen. Okay? So here's where you and I come in, Christian. Plug into growing in the faith. To be a light and to be an encouragement to others. And to show forth faith's validity. You got it? Faith's validity. Then letter B, faith's versatility. In verse 23, it, it tells us this. He says it. Whatever is not from faith is sin. So therefore, whatever I do, I need to do by faith. It doesn't matter what you're doing, as long as you're not violating, obviously violating you know, commands of, of Scripture. Whatever you do, whatever you work, whatever, wherever you live, whatever you're doing, do it by faith. Trust God. Say, well, God, you know, God doesn't um, uh, deal that much in, in uh, you know, business things. 
baloney. He wants you to trust him for those business decisions. He wants to tr- you to trust him for how you're raising your children. He wants you to trust him for how you talk to your uh, neighbors, how you talk to and respond to your boss. Everything by faith. That's what he's getting at. Listen, your life and my life boil down to this. Choices. Maybe that's too simplistic, but so many things, it just boils down to here's a choice that I have. Here's a choice that you have. If you're a Christian, we must respond in faith, trusting him. If you don't know what's in his word, you're going to have a hard time walking by faith. You can say, oh, I believe in God, but you need the food and the uh, encouragement and the reinforcement of the word of God so that your faith will be stronger. Spend time in the word. No matter what's going on, whether it's good things, bad things, walk by faith. God says, whatever you do it, do it by faith. What pleases God? Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Turn around. Well, I can please God by walking by faith. Trust Him. As you drive, trust Him. <laughs> you better trust Him. You don't know what the other guy's doing on the coming at your way. All of the things of life. Trust God. Walk in faith. Not only in the emergencies and not only in the smooth times. All the time. Listen, my friend. Injuries happen. These kind we've talked about this morning are brought on either by ignorance. These injuries that we these four main points, they're either brought on by ignorance or by choice. And don't forget that these kind of injuries, offending my brother, distorting the gospel, undermining the work of God, or doubting my convictions, understand that they do damage to you and to the body of Christ. Our congregation. So what's at stake? What's at stake when we read a passage like this in Romans 14? What's at stake is the testimony of Christ. Will this community, will my neighbors see Jesus Christ in me? Will they see Jesus Christ in you? Will they see us loving one another? That's the subject, that's the theme in this message here. Will they see us loving one another? And I, listen, let me take a little side road here. Thank you for your love. You say it again. Thank you for your love. We want to keep going, folks. Keep loving one another. Um, keep loving Chris and Maria Ward in this. Rick and Katie Bassham. June and Eldo Lindsay. Keep loving these people. Keep loving one another. Be alert to this. Be, be watching. Because you don't know I don't know what's going to happen this afternoon or tonight or tomorrow or later this week. Let's be alert to it, to love one another. And let's choose wisely. Life boils down to a lot of choices, right? Let's choose wisely with our liberties. Let's be focused on not eating or drinking, not the next football game, not the next uh, whatever whatever else. Not No, let's be focused on His kingdom And his kingdom is about his righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Let's be encouraged. 
with the words of Paul here from Romans 14. Let's stand together. I want to read a passage and then we'll pray. Stand in closing. Christian, God wants you to be awake to what's going on. He wants us to be awake and alert and in tune with His truth in your life and applied in your life. Not just in your head, in between your ears, but applied in life, right? Jesus said it, John chapter 13. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Lord God, Heavenly Father, please help us to put aside our own agendas. Please help us, Lord, to um, recognize the, the damage that we do to ourselves as individuals and to your congregation, your body of believers in how we respond to other people. Lord, we, have, we allow bitterness to rule in our hearts and so bitterness comes forth towards others. Please, God, change our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would be um, really more concerned and more focused about your kingdom than our ways and then in our life. We want to humble ourselves before you and we want to be filled with who you are and controlled by you. So Lord, we recognize we've got responsibilities here also and we want to choose wisely and we want to be filled with the knowledge of your word. Help us with this and God, we pray for your grace and mercy upon us. We thank you for your goodness to us in so many ways, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.